Good morning, church. Welcome everyone online. If you're online, say hello, good morning to somebody. Type out a name and say good morning to that person. Let's have a little fellowship online even. I'm Sean. I'm an elder here at First Church. I grew up here in this church. I was a rug rat downstairs with Miss Betty. I was in youth group with Pastor Doug. I was even uh, gifted the first Bible I ever read right here uh, for high school graduation. I accepted Jesus out in the lobby with Charlie. I was baptized in that tub with my wife, Angela. I've cried in that pew, and that pew, and that pew, and that pew, that pew, and that pew. And I stand up here today. I tell you this to establish my longevity in this church, here in this building. Having seen storms blow through and rage through people's lives. In 33 years, I've experienced a storm or two, or three or four. That's what I'm going to talk to you about today, is conquering the storm. Notice I didn't say get through. I didn't say survive. I didn't say manage the storm. Can you imagine if that's what you heard about Jesus and death? Just get through death, manage death. Conquer, going to conquer the storm. I didn't say similar non-dramatic expressions or descriptions like be victorious over the storm or just overcome. No, I mean conquer, without a doubt, victorious conquering. So I want to share a quick story first about the first time fire. And in case you were wondering, I'm not a firefighter, which pretty much means the fire fought back. Now, a quick backstory, my dad is a firefighter, for those of you who don't know him. He's also an Army veteran, so I was raised with three specific things of knowledge that was kind of bred into my psyche. One was God. Two was gun safety. You know, muzzle down range. Is the safety on? Is there a chamber? Is there one in the chamber? Finger off the trigger until you're ready to pull it. Three was fire safety. He taught me everything he could about fire. I know things like fire needs three things to, uh, to be a fire. It needs fuel, it needs heat, and it needs oxygen. I know that water doesn't put out a grease fire because water and grease separate and the fire will float on top. I know facts like the majority of deaths in house fires, those houses didn't have a smoke alarm or that candles are top. It's like this. I was raised with it. Dad would put us through fire drills as a kid. He would blindfold us. He would do this thing what we called sucking carpet, find our way to an exit, and rally outside the house with the rest of the family. I have a rope ladder right now underneath my bed on the second story bedroom to knock out the window and, I don't know, jump, I'll throw it out. What I didn't know, though, is that I would forget it all in a panic. And one of these days I was mowing, uh, and I got stung by a yellow jacket. So yellow jackets, they like to bury the nest inside the ground, and usually there's an exit hole. See, Dad taught me one more thing about fire. I don't know he knew I was watching. I grew up also seeing a nest in the yard and watched how Dad got rid of it. 
And what dad did was he went to his shed and grabbed a tank of gas, poured it into the hole of that nest, and, <laughs> and dad didn't get stung anymore the rest of why he mowed that lawn. So I knew exactly what to do to this nest. So here I am. I uh, go back to the shed. I fill the hole. It's very hard because they're flying in and out. So you're doing this the entire time, trying to not get stung. Pour the gas in there. So I'm ready. I've got a match. It's not lighting. It's not lighting. It's windy. So I get a big piece of paper, roll it up, and light that, fi light that on fire. And I throw the match. Guess where I threw the match? So it's shooting out of the tank of the gas like a flame. So what did I do? Fire safety. I kicked the tank over. <laughs> so as you know, it was, had gas in it still, so gas is good, 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 good flowing. So now what was once a small hole is a pond of fire. It wasn't a lake of fire, so we're still good. But I didn't know what to do. Ale, because... Water does not put out grease fires, and when I sprayed fire over a bunch of gasoline floating, it just spread. It just kept spreading. So I'm freaking out right now, so I, I, I called Dad. Dad, 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 the house is on fire outside. It's on fire. What, what did you do? Don't, don't tell me. Just tell me what to do right now. Well, do you have a fire extinguisher? Yes. Baking soda. Okay, yes. Bye. I'm running inside. Angie's inside. She has no idea that the backyard's on fire. She's on the couch hanging out. All she hears is the... A few minutes later. So I went down there. We had just moved there. So we had, a, we had shopped at Sam's Club. So we had all these big oversized stuff. I had this industrial-sized bag of baking soda. So I grabbed that. It's the first thing. I just, I just threw it on there. And the fire, I swear, it burped. It was like, and like it just came back up. It just started. Nothing happened. It didn't put it out. So I'm running back inside, down the stairs. Extinguisher. That's got to work. What's going on? Nothing. <laughs> Man, I pulled that thing with authority. I was like, you know, stuck my foot, my pose. I was ready. Pulled it. It was like, <laughs> nothing. This fire is shooting up. So at this moment, I don't know what to do. Call dad. He's on his way over, I think. Then I realize Fire needs three things to, to survive. It needs heat, so I had to split the oxygen. I went and grabbed a wheelbarrow and flipped it over on top of the main part of the fire, and it went out. And at that moment, I am laying on my back in the yard like an animal getting ready to die. <gasps> Dad shows up with his fire extinguisher fully charged, cleans up. See, in a moment, but God still provided. I was given, by knowledge by my dad, I was given multiple ways to put out a fire. There's multiple ways. Cut off the oxygen, cut off the heat, or you cut off the fuel. As I went through that and I stopped and had still missed for a moment, I remembered what I had been taught and recovered my sanity partially. So with that story... We'll dive into scripture. We're going to go over Matthew 14. And what's going on right here is Jesus is getting ready to send his disciples out onto the lake. This is the story of Jesus walking on water. 
He's getting ready to send his disciples out into a boat across the Sea of Galilee uh, to a city called Bethsaida, and then go to Genesaret. Genesaret, I believe that's how you say it correct. Before this, he goes and prays on a mountain. So really what's going on is Jesus just found out John the Baptist had died. The death of John the Baptist is a sign that the death of Jesus is coming. So Jesus is realizing this big moment. So it's getting a little bit more nerve-wracking. It's getting a little harder. He's, he's going more and more time into prayer to be alone with the Father. I don't know if anybody's ever climbed a mountain, but it's not just like a, a walk up a hill. It's hours all the way until you get up into a mountain. So when he sends them out to a boat, he goes up a mountain to pray for hours. In the very beginning, we'll read, immediately he made his disciples get into the boat and go before him to the other side while he dismissed the crowds. And after he had dismissed the crowds, he went up to the mountain by himself to pray. Whenever he, when evening came, he was there alone. So right before this, he had just got done feeding. It says 5,000 men. It was about 10,000 people because it includes children and women. He was ministering to them. They were hungry. They had five feeding the 10,000 people with that amount. Had just happened. And then Jesus sends them to sea into a storm. And then Matthew 24 through 25 continues, but the boat by this time was a long way from land, beating by, beaten by the waves, for the wind was against them. And in the fourth watch of the night, he came to them walking on the sea. Now the fourth watch, 3 a.m. to 6 a.m. And at this point, three hours, at this time of the night, the water is about 600 feet in the Sea of Galilee where they would be around. And this hour... In this hour, when the storm comes, they begin to be full of fear. Out deep in sea, in the middle of the night, dark, not just waves, 600 feet deep water, storm to hit. Anyone ever been hit by a storm in the worst possible place, in the worst possible time? Matthew 14, 26 continues, but when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were terrified and said, it is a ghost, and they cried out in fear. Okay. We're on 27. But when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were terrified and said, it is a ghost, and they cried out in fear. It's easy to convince yourself that evil is near when you're in the storm. But the reality is, is God is near when you're in the storm. And then 27 through 29 continues. But immediately Jesus spoke to them saying, take heart, it is I, do not be afraid. And Peter answered him, Lord, if it is you, command me to come. And then Jesus says, come. One word. The, the Son of God tells one word, come. So Peter got out of the boat and walked on the water and, set, and came to Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid, and he began to sink and cried out, Lord, save me. Jesus immediately reached out his hand and took hold of him, saying to him, Oh, you have little faith. Why do you doubt?
Jesus is constantly calling us out to reach for him. It's hard to reach up for God, for Jesus, though, when we haven't let go of the devil's hand. Some of you might understand that experience and think that I have to figure this out first before I can come to this. That's not the way. It's always Jesus first. Peter proves his faith true When he saw the wind, he was afraid and began to sink, and he cried out, Lord, save me. So when we focus on Peter, we always think of him sinking right now in his moment of weakness. But what we need to realize is that Peter had faith in the moment. Peter walked on water. You see, Peter had seen Jesus command the storms before. In Matthew eight twenty three, he conquers the storm. Jesus wakes up, calms the storm, and tells them, you have little faith. And at that time, they say, who is this man the seas obey him? Who is this man that the seas obey him? And then Matthew 14, 32. And when they got into the boat, the wind seized. I'm going to snap of a finger. And when, he, and when they got into the boat, the wind ceased. Have you ever read the same scripture and God reveals something in your heart that you didn't see the previous time? If so, brothers and sisters, you, my friends, have had, had a direct experience with the Holy Spirit. That's God lifting the veil, saying, this is what I'm saying to you right now. Lord, give us the eyes to read. Give us the ears to hear. Give us the mouths to bring you glory. Let's go ahead and read that one more time. And when they got into the boat, the wind ceased. See, before they set sail, Jesus got done feeding the 10,000 people with five loaves of bread and two fish. And the study do this. They didn't know yet the full might and power of God. They didn't understand. Their hearts were hardened, the Bible says. They lacked faith. See, Jesus is showing the disciples that he's not just God of the storm. In Psalms 89.6 says, You rule the raging of the sea. When, it wa- when its waves rise, you still them. Before feeding 10,000, Jesus had made blind men see. He made crippled hands whole. He had made paralyzed men walk and trampled the waves of the sea. And before making blind men see crippled, or making blind men see and crippled whole and paralyzed people walk, Jesus healed lepers, he healed fevers, and thousands, thousands of others. Isaiah 41, 13, For I, the Lord, your God, hold your right hand. It is I who say to you, fear not, I'm the one who helps you. Isaiah 43, 16, Thus says the Lord, who makes a way in the sea, a path in the mighty waters. You see, God splitting the Red Sea when the Hebrews were escaping Egypt. But Isaiah was a prophet. Isaiah knows, and we know from the New Testament living experience, that God yesterday is the same God today. 
And you can bet your bottom dollar, the same guy that created the universe, the same guy that created the atoms, the same guy that created the family dynamics, the same guy that created redemption, redemption, that God will show up first and the next. See, God is showing he's not just the God of the storm. He's God of everything. He's God of everything. A storm is a storm. It's a part of the world, which is a part of the galaxy, which is a part of the universe that God created. God is king of the storm. He says, for I, the Lord, your God, hold your right hand, the Lord, your God. Repeat after me, church. If God is for us, who could be against us? We're going to read the last line in 14 to be 32, verse 32. Actually, let me read. And those in the boat worshipped him, saying, truly, you are the Son of God. Has anybody gone through a storm lately? Anyone feel like they're sinking in a storm? See, some of us try to avoid the storm. Like it's a bad thing. We've had the world convinced we want to be comfortable and happy and centered and chill. So chill. Some of us want God to pull us out of the storm. But we didn't even get in the boat. dry and comfortable land and find a methodical way around the storm. You know, my finances are bad. First thing you learn how to, you know, change my perspective on money. You know, Rich Dad, Poor Dad by Robert Kiyosaki. Um, Maybe I'll do this first, figure some things out, get comfortable with the storm, and then come to God. You know, I'm at work, listens to me. I don't have like a voice that I felt that I've developed. Maybe I'll look at how to win and influence, how to win friends and influence people by Dale Carnegie. Once I filled some confidence up, maybe then I'll bring my storm to, to Jesus. You know, I've been in the storm so long, I don't even know what I'm good at anymore. I used to like to, to serve and bartend and then... You know, I changed career, failed. I don't even know what I'm good at anymore. So I need to figure out what I even like, what I want. I've got to find who I am. And then I'll tell God to fit his picture with who I decided I'm going to be. Who? You know, my wife and I are struggling. And we don't communicate much anymore. I heard this book, you know, Five Love Languages. I'll, I'll find that first and see how I can connect with her. I can show her that I do love her. I'll bring that storm to God so he can bless it. You know, I struggle with drinking so, or, or smoking, so like, I don't know what to do. Maybe I'll come to this, somebody who's done something like this before and gone through it. College Under the Influence by Sean Reed. Well, that's kind of a <laughs> good book. That's like, No. God doesn't want you to figure this out first and then come to him. It's not storm first, Jesus second. It's storm second that you don't have to get your things straight before you come to the Lord. You got to come to him first. 
and be honest. It's okay. He's saying, look to me first, the storm second, not the other way around. Jesus says, I am in the Father, and the Father is in me. Give me your storms. I'm the way. He says, give me your struggles, your pains. Give me your anger. Give me your depression. Give me your financial struggles. And don't just say, okay, Lord, I give this to you. I trust you. I trust you, Lord. No, give it to him and have faith and believe. Boast in it. I gave it to the guy. It's going to get itself worked out. And I understand there are certain scenarios like sickness and, and death and terminal. You still give those to the Lord because there's glory to be had. There's glory in your life. There's generational glory. Somebody asked Abraham about that in heaven, how he felt about that. Or Moses. Okay. I know what they are. But I'll make you new. It'll take work. But you won't recognize yourself when I'm through with you. He says, give me your past. Just give it to me. Quit dwelling on it. Just don't, just give it to me. Let me work it out of you. Give me your sickness. Give me your addictions. Give me your lies. Give them to me. It's okay. I know. That's what God is saying. He knew it before it came out of your mouth, before you were born, before your parents were born. And so on. Give them to me. I love you, child. God says, I call you mine. And as Christians, the Holy Spirit dwells within us. Jesus gives us his authority to use for, for God's kingdom. The Holy Spirit dwells within us. Jesus gives his of God, the works of the Holy Spirit. See, Jesus walked right into the storm. He walked right into it for his brothers, for those in need, for those he loved. He says, give me your storm. and I'll, I, He tells us, give me your storm and go find others in their storm. Just get, your storm's here. It's here. It's not going to go away. But give it to me. And I'll make it go away. I'll work it out. Just bring your faith in Jesus and pull them up by the right hand. So you're going through a storm. You, what you're going through right now, you can almost guarantee it that someone you know is going through something that's such, just as heavy or just as light. We all have our storms. Let's pull each other up with our right hand, by the right hand of Jesus. And when chaos hits, and at first you forget all that you know, he'll remind you just who he is. He'll remind you what you have at your disposal to conquer the storm. He gives us multiple ways. He gives us prayer. He gives us fellowship. He gives us rebuking the devil. And he gives us commanding in Jesus' name. He gives us prayer. Jesus, please, be with me in this storm. I give this to you, God. I give this to you. I ask in your son Jesus' name to take my storm, Lord. Work its way. Work, work your way through it. Work it out. I cannot get through. I am sinking, Lord. I just want to reach up with my right hand and grab me, Lord. Fellowship. Where two or three are gathered, so is God. And the presence of God, what, what, is, what cannot be done? That's good. That's not good. That's not good. Fellowship protects us, it guides us, it leads us. 
and nurtures us. Gives us a shoulder to cry on, to mourn with, to cheer with through Christ. That's a life worth living in fellowship. Rebuking the devil. Woo, don't get me started on rebuking the devil. In the name of Jesus, you are not welcome in these people's lives, devil. In the name of Jesus, devil, I command you in the name of Jesus to leave our congregation and those watching alone today. This space is empty for Jesus. Jesus has ownership over our lives. I'm speaking to you, devil, in the name of Jesus, commanding in, the Jesus, in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name, I declare all things are good through Christ. See, the storm exists. It's not just going to go away. It's faith in Jesus that brings the storm into perspective. Jesus is king of the storm, not the other way around. If we reach up, he'll rescue us. He's told us time and time again in here. We're going to close with James chapter 1, verses 2 through 8. Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds, for you know that testing of your faith produces steadfastness. And let steadfastness have its full effect, that you may let him ask God, who gives generously to all without approach, and it will be given to him. But let him ask in faith, with no doubting, for the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea that is driven and tossed by the wind. For the person must not suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. He is double-minded, unstable in his ways. Storm or two, and more will, will come. And I will bring this to the Lord. I invite you, I invite you, I invite you. Between you and I, between you and I, I know each one of you has a storm going on. I know, I know, I know. I know. Bring it to the Lord. Bring it to the altars. Bring it to prayer. Bring it to fellowship. Bring it to the authority of Jesus. We've got storms to conquer. Let us pray. Lord, I give thanks for this day. I pray that every day we wake up, you remind us of the blessing of that day, of the sunrise and the sunsets and the winds and fellowship and communion and community, appreciating that gift of life and understanding the perspective of the storm, that storms end, life on this earth and this body it's not forever, but our eternal life with you is this new heaven. God, I pray for those going through the storm right now that you speak to them. I'm here. It's not evil that's near. It is I. I am. God, it is not evil that is near. God is near. 
Reach up with the right hand. Pray over the congregation, Lord, that you carry with them your word. I pray that you be glorified in anything that was not your word, that was just mine, that it be forgotten. I pray that the words of, of Matthew, God, and Isaiah, and Job, and James resonate and linger and are meditated on beyond these doors. Let those who give the storm to you reach out in your name and pull someone else out of their storm. And another... And another, and I ask that that continues in the name of Jesus, Lord. I give you thanks, and I ask all these things in your son Jesus' name. Amen.